Welcome to our podcast, Conversations at EBC. We trust that you find the following message empowering and encouraging in your pursuit of God and in His pursuit of you. I'll tell you what, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, it's really good to be here walking through the doors. I mean, I know we've been, uh, my wife and myself and our family have been here a couple of times for different events and uh, functions and parties and different kinds of things, but man, it's, it feels like, really, like coming home, uh, coming here. When we first came here back in 2007, uh, I remember thinking uh, on coming in, at, we were going to a church at the time, uh, which, uh, I mean, largely had, um, I mean, historically had been a really great and Bible teaching, Bible proclaiming church, and then just over time, uh, we didn't really know, you know, it, it, we didn't know kind of what was happening, uh, but at the time, I uh, just felt like, oh man, something's just not, not right here, and the coming here, even for the very first time, man, it felt like coming up for air, uh, it was like, oh man, this is, this is a place to belong where uh, they love Jesus, and yeah, you have really at the center, and man, it's still, still here, obviously, uh, really at the center of what you do, uh, the, the glory and the gravity, like the weightiness of uh, how good and how magnificent God is, and what that means for uh, all the people in this room, all the people who are not in this room, who would call um, EBC the home, and of course, this city and this nation and this world, and man, it's really great to be back with you. Uh, the last, now, six years, um, when Beck and I left here, I was a young man, and uh, we had no kids. Actually, we had a, a kid cooking at the time, and um, now we have three kids, and no longer a young man. Uh, I cannot claim that at all, but uh, here we are. I mean, you can still call me a young man. That's fine. That's your prerogative, and I'll take it, uh, but, but not feeling it. And so we, went, we uh, went and planted a church in, in the obedience of God, really. Um, and interestingly, like today, uh, our topic is, in continuing the series, uh, God invites us to join Him in His work. <clears throat> and this is one of those things where uh, you might hear this as a, as a title. You might have seen it. In the newsletter, I'm going, work. That's, that's just great. Now we're going to hear about more things I've got to add to my plate. Like, God invites us into His work. Um, wh- what are we doing here? So today we're going to look at what is God's work? What does that look like? What does that mean? Um, what does it mean for us, like, specifically as people and, and you in particular as an individual? What does it mean to be invited into the work of God? Um, we have an interesting, I put it to you, interesting relationship with work in Australia. Uh, we are called the land of the long weekend. Uh, we religiously, like, vehemently hold on to our public holidays. Um, if they ever, like, coincide, two public holidays land on the same day, we're like, no, we're not going to combine them and have them on the one day. We need to have two days. Uh, we have to keep our public holidays, again, because we're the land of the long weekend. We, we have this, like, a national pastime, for some folks, of trying to do work as, let's call it, efficiently as possible, which really just means doing the least amount of work that makes it look like you're doing the most amount of work. And yet, and yet, we have this reputation for that. We are also, like statistically, uh, among full-time workers in the top 10 hardest and longest working nations in the world. So we have this really bizarre relationship with work, just any kind of work, vocational work in particular, where at the same time, uh, we have this reputation of being maybe slackers, and yet we have this also reputation of being incredibly hardworking to the point where it's actually unhelpful for us, and unhealthy for us to be that hardworking or that long working. It's an art form 
in Australia to try to make this balance. We are a nation obsessed with making things easier, making things more efficient, making things work for us. Uh, <clears throat> Beck and I, we've done a bit of travel over the last couple of months and are certainly um, uh, relate with and meet a lot of people traveling from overseas. And one of the things that people consistently remark upon, and we certainly know and you'll know uh, if you go overseas, is uh, we have things incredibly good in Australia. If you wanted to have an easy life based on just the people who are alive today, let alone throughout history, you'd have to say that Australia is one of the most comfortable, most easy places to live that has ever existed. Ever, really, existed. And yet, we, we have this uh, pursuit of ease and of comfort and of streamlining and efficiency. And yet last year, just in Australia, we spent $10 billion on fitness and trying to do things more difficult, like lifting heavier weights and running further and cycling further and swimming further and uh, doing all kinds of things, pursuing, uh, doing hard things, and yet we want to do easy things. And then we want to do hard things, and then we do easy things. And we want our hard things to be particularly hard, and we want our easy things to be as easy as possible because we have this bizarre relationship with work in Australia. Is this sounding familiar to you? Okay, good. Aussies will band together, like risk life for the sake of a stranger in need. Really. It's one of the things, one of our like national virtues, and yet uh, won't help our neighbor just on, on a daily basis. Again, I'm not talking about you guys in this room, obviously. Uh, I'm talking about other, other folks in Australia because we have this really weird relationship with work. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm sure it's safe to assume uh, in a room this size there'll be people for whom work. Uh, and especially vocational work or um, the thing that occupies the most amount of time. So if you're a mum or if you're a, uh, a garbologist or a, a doctor or um, a t- school teacher or any of these kinds of things, uh, it's safe to say that, again, in a room this size, people for whom their workplace is not a particularly uh, life-giving place, whether it's through uh, their co-workers or their boss maybe. Anyone had just really average boss? Nobody who works at ABC, put up your hand uh, right now, obviously. Um, but, but, as we'll see in Scripture today, uh, we'll see that work in itself, work, is not uh, an evil thing to be avoided. Like in Australia, we will do, again, not you guys, but Australians in general, the bare minimum to make it look like they have achieved their, their roles and their jobs uh, but in Scripture, we see an actual, uh, a very different perspective on work at all. Um, right from the very beginning, before the fall, right before the fall, God actually gives His freshly minted people, freshly created people, some things to do. It says Genesis 1, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. It says, get to, get to work. Work the land. Fill the earth. Get to work. And then in the second account in Genesis 2, it says, Yahweh took the man and put him in the Garden, of Eden, the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. In creation, before the fall, before anything has gone wrong, um, God has given his people some things to do. Because although, although God said, after he'd created him, just before he rested, it is very good. I'll put it to you, you might not have thought about it like this before, but uh, the world was not yet Perfect. Something's perfect, can't be improved upon. And yet God made the world very good, and He made us very good, and then gave us work to do in the world 
for our good, for His glory, and, and for the good of the world, to actually be about His work in the world. Now, some of you in, in this room, uh, you may not be in like a vocational kind of work. You might actually be, be uh, past those vocational working kinds of years, and yet you're still thinking, when we're talking about work, uh, when it comes to God's invitation to participate in His work, uh, what you may be hearing is, I do not have another hour in my day. Where my dad recently retired, uh, and then he unretired and worked for a couple of years, and then he retired again, and then he unretired and worked for a couple of years, and he's freshly retired again. And I said, Dad, so how are you doing? What's occupying your day? He said, I've never been busier. He said, how did I ever have time for work? Because there's always something to do, always someone demanding a time or things that we want to do that will take up our time. And so when, we, when we're talking about God's work, you might think, yeah, I mean, I'm involved in God's work. I rock up on a Sunday. Uh, I'm generally charitable to people as I see them in the street. I'm a good person, pay my taxes, uh, you know, where, where I'm supposed to. Um, generally a good person. Talking about work, is it like am I trying to add things into my life? That sounds like, sounds like a lot. And I point you to Paul. Uh, there's one place in Philippians where he says, uh, of, his, of his time on the earth, he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He's talking about uh, while, while I'll be here, I want to be as fruitful as possible in the Lord's work, in the work that God is inviting me into. We're going to look at what is that work, what does that look like, and what is that invitation today, that's what we're looking at today. He says, as long as I'm here, I want to be about God's work. I want to be res- responding to his invitation as much as I possibly can. In fact, he's just said, uh, in fact, no, let's read on. <clears throat> he says, Yeah, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. That's so what he's saying is, uh, I would prefer to die and go and be with Jesus. And the other option to death and being with Jesus is being about his business in the world. Now, Paul's call and God's invitation on Paul's life is different and it's the same to God's call and invitation on your life. It'll be the same in some ways and different in many, many ways. And nevertheless, Paul's saying, while I'm still around, says, although I prefer to go and be with Jesus, I prefer to not have to continue to to labor hard like this while I'm still around. Oh my goodness, I want to be fruitful. This is his, I guess, his, his challenge to the church uh, in Philippi, and his challenge to us today. God is inviting us into the same kinds of work. We have, we'll hit our passage in a second. <laughs> I think there are, there's one problem when it comes to work, in particular the, God that, the work that God is inviting us into, and you might be familiar with this problem. The problem is uh, we either don't hear it, uh, as in we, we are ignorant of it, and I don't mean that in a pejorative kind of way, I just mean we just don't we don't hear the call, or when we do hear God's invitation into something, we doubt it. We think, was that really, is that really God? Is that really something that He would want me to do? I mean, it seems like a good idea, but I've got all these other options, and they all seem equally pretty good. How do I know which one is the one God is actually really inviting me into? How do I know which one is the one which is the thing that God actually wants me to do? Is it really God asking me in the first place? What we'll see in Scripture today is that God has already invited you to participate in His work in the world, and He will also daily, 
like specifically invite you to participate in his work in the world. So uh, let me pray and we will have a look at scripture. Father God, we need your help today. Help us to see in, uh, in, your, in your word uh, what you'd have for us, more of who you are and more of not just how we, how we should live, uh, but how we respond to your love and your goodness and your kindness and your glory as we go about your business in the world. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So uh, in Ephesians 2, Paul again, writing to the church in Ephesus this time, says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Or another translation says, for us to walk in, that we would actually step into those things that God has for us to do. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, in creation. Uh, I may remind you of um, like John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So everything that was made, you and me, we were all made uh, by Jesus. We are His craftsmanship. This word craftsmanship really should uh, elicit in your mind this uh, this feeling of, just like with Adam, God actually, it's like stooping down and spending time, uh, like f- filing away, like didn't, he didn't make you by accident, he didn't make you uh, by mistake, he didn't um, put you in the wrong time or the wrong geography or any of those kinds of things, you've been crafted by God, crafted by him, intentionally, lovingly, purposefully. We're created in him in creation, we're also created anew in him, um, for it says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So we're created in him in creation. We're created anew in him when we receive Christ, and the Holy Spirit starts to do his work in us, sets us apart for relationship with God, which we looked at last week. And then also the work and the purposes of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit does this work of making us anew in him, which is really amazing. He's crafted you particularly to be you, and now he's sent you into the world, and he's prepared good works in advance for you to do. And so here's part of the, here's part of the challenge when we're thinking about the invitation of God. It's not just a future invitation. God has already invited you into his work. He has made you a particular way, with particular strengths and gifts, uh, that your mind thinks in a particular kind of way. Uh, he's put you in a particular geography, in a particular time, in the, in the history of time, for relationship with him primarily, for relationship with one another, and for his particular purposes in the world. It's amazing. He's already invited you into this work. I like to think about it like this. In fact, when I first started thinking about God's work in my life, or invitation to work in my life like this, man, it just changed everything. And it doesn't matter how old you are, this stands true. Every day with our Heavenly Father, is bring your kid to work day. I went to work with my dad when I was much younger. He worked, uh, he was a chaplain in the Navy, so I'd go on the Navy ships, uh, and I'd, uh, you know, walk around, I'd see the big guns, and uh, I was told not to touch anything, and touched a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to touch. Uh, I got to eat their little rations and their food. They had these delicious, uh, like, space food, little sticks, which were really amazing, uh, and things like this, but... <clears throat> Nevertheless, 
there, there was nothing that I was going to do, nothing productive. I wasn't going to be like driving or piloting a Navy vessel. I wasn't going to be firing any cannons or uh, shooting any guns, or I certainly wasn't going to be counseling anybody um, or, or like pastorally caring for people like my dad would have been doing. I wasn't doing any of those kinds of things. And yet, uh, here I was at work with my dad. I took my kid to work back when I worked in radio. And in radio, there are lots of buttons, and every button changes something. And so if kids touch anything, and the problem is that there are lights on every button. And some of them flash, and they're different colors. And sometimes you press a button, and other buttons move. And it's like having a little robot there, and it's amazing. And kids, of course, want to touch these things. And so I brought uh, my eldest, Isaiah, he's uh, now five years old, uh, brought him into uh, work. And man, he just wants to touch things. But he also just wanted to be with me and where, where I was. That was his primary, like, driving intention for the day, was to come and see what Dad does. And we got to do some things with him. So took him in the sound booth, got to record his voice. He loved it. Brought him around, showed him how to, like, edit things up. Well, actually, I've got somebody else to do that while I was in the room with him. Uh, he was... He, in his own right, man, there was nothing that he was doing. He wasn't going to go on air and like, press the buttons and drive the radio station or uh, make anything or make any decisions or any of those kinds of things. However, he was there with me participating in my work because I was still doing my work. And a, a lot of the time, as much as I could, uh, I was getting him to do that work. I tell you what, uh, if I did this every day, with him, if I brought him to my workplace every day, over the days and the weeks and the years, he would become better and better and better at doing these things. Uh, he'd grown his proficiency, he'd grown his knowledge of how I think, why I make the decisions that I make, uh, why I do this over that, uh, what things I, I really enjoy, what things I don't enjoy, what things I like and what things I don't like, what I value and what I don't value, all those kinds of things. Uh, if, he, if every day was bringing a kid to work day, and this is how like every family worked for millennia uh, until the most recent few hundred years. Every day with our Heavenly Father is bring your kid to work day because this is the same kind of way that it works with God. There are things that I lined up in advance for Isaiah to participate in when I brought him into work uh, because I knew if I had to just rock up there uh, and make it work, he would be actually a pain trying to press buttons and wreck the radio station. Um, because I prepared things in advance, uh, he still had work to do. It wasn't like he wasn't doing the work. He was doing the work, but we were, in a very real sense, doing that work together. Is this making sense to you? This is the kind of work God invites us into. It's not laborious work. It's not work to try to earn God's favor. It's not like, as I didn't come in and, and do such a great job that I all of a sudden loved him, I invited him into my work because I already loved him. I wanted him to participate in something that really brought me joy and was meaningful and was meaningful to other people as well. In the same kind of way, every day with our Heavenly Father is bringing a kid to work day and you are his children. You are his children. If you're, if you're two or 92, if you're in Christ, you are a, a son or a daughter of the Father. We just sung as much. We declare this over our lives. We're his children. And he's brought us to his workplace. And he hasn't just left us. 
uh, to do the work. He hasn't just given us a list of things to do and said, go and do this, I'll be back later to check on you. Uh, no, no, he is uh, patiently and uh, lovingly with us, uh, helping us to walk in those good works he has prepared in advance to, for us to walk in. First Corinthians 15 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So again, he's saying here, you're not laboring in the Lord to get him to love you. You're not trying to fulfill the law anymore. You're not trying to earn God's favor by doing the things that he's asked you to do. Uh, he, you already have his favor in Christ. When God looks at his sons and his daughters, because all of his sons and his daughters are in Christ, he looks at you and sees you with the perfection that he sees Christ. Really? And it's very hard for us to, to firstly receive this, and it's very hard for us to live in light of this, because our, like, our, our flesh wants to earn stuff. We don't like receiving things just for, for free. We want to earn things. We want to earn God's favor. You can't do it. It's impossible. And the good news is, the great news is, because you can't, you don't, and you don't have to, uh, Christ has already done that work on your behalf. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's already done. The victory is won. God doesn't have work for you. He's not inviting you into his work so that you can go and accomplish great things for him, so that he would love you more, so that he would trust you more, so that he would have any kind of greater affection or favor for you. Uh, he already has those things. Therefore, we can just go about the business of God, excelling uh, in the freedom that we have in knowing that God already loves us. He's not inviting us into his work to try to earn his favor. He's inviting you into his work because he already loves you because you already have his favor, because he wants to bring you to his work, because he wants you to spend time with him in his work, because he wants to, and he pleases to, work in you and work through you, because he wants you to have the joy of um, the fruitfulness, the, like the fruit of righteousness that comes from being about his business. I love the part of uh, Peter's first letter in chapter 2. He's talking about this kind of work. He says, man, even when the work gets very hard, even when the work gets difficult, even when you're working for, like in a workplace where your boss is not the kind of boss who points you to Jesus, uh, even when you're in a country where they change prime ministers every few months uh, and things are unstable, although we live in a very stable country, but even if you lived in a country that was not stable, it says, still be about the work that God is inviting you into. And then he gets to this point and he says, uh, he says, oh, Jesus has left us an example so that we might follow in his steps. So he's saying, do, do this work. Even in the midst of reviling, uh, God is inviting you to the thing, and he is with you and he stays with you and he's working in you and he's working through you and work like the example that we have in Jesus. He's not just our example, but he is our example. And even this word, this word in uh, Scripture, this word example, um, that actually, in the Greek, I won't give you a Greek lesson, but it is a word which meant a little device that people would use to learn how to write. Now, uh, my son, Isaiah, again, first year of school this year, 
uh, well, he's in reception, which is his first year of school, but not year one, which is the second year of school, but anyway, um, is learning how to write. And he uses trace paper. In fact, he's got a whole book, which is just very thin paper, which has been treated to be see-through, so that he can put something underneath uh, with the, the words that he wants to learn how to write, puts the trace paper over the top, and then he can trace over these words. And uh, when he first started, he was not very good, understandably. Uh, but again, day after day and week after week, as he traces over these paper uh, over time and over weeks, uh, his tracing becomes like legible and then beautiful. And if, I really believe, if Peter was writing his letter today, uh, he was using a device which they used in his time, if he was writing today, he would have used the literal words trace paper. Like Jesus is, is our example. He is like our trace paper. In fact, we are the trace paper. As we lay our lives over his life and consider his example and get to know him better and pursue a relationship with him deeper and get to know what he loves, get to know what he likes, get to know how he thinks, get to know how he loves, and not just in some sort of abstract way where we have a, a, like a checklist of things we know about God, but we actually know Him and we grow in a love for Him and not just a love, not just in a, uh, like an affectionate love, uh, but a love that causes us to, to will, to want to do things that please Him, not to get His affection, but because we already have His affection, because we want to earn His favour or love, because we already have His favour and His love. We trace over the example of Jesus. This is what Peter tells us to do. A whole book of trace paper. For us, we, in our lives, we trace in pen, right? You can't, can't go back and do a do-over. Uh, we all go through life one second per second, uh, into the future. Everything we, every time we write something on the pages of our lives, it's written in pen. Jesus, absolutely, comes along and blots out all of those things to do with sin and salvation, thankfully and gloriously. But there's still earthly consequences for all of our actions, good, and less good. And what Peter is trying to tell us to do, what Paul is trying to tell us to do, throughout Scripture, in fact, in fact, this word that God invites us into is not supposed to be a laborious, crushing kind of uh, thing that makes you think, oh man, if I miss this thing that God wants me to do, which, which option should I do? Uh, it's much more about exampling after Jesus. This is the work that he invites us into, to getting to know him better, pursuing a relationship with him, pursuing relationship with each other. And like he commands, like in John 13, for example, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you must love one another by this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's saying the love that you have for one another is to be the same caliber and kind of love that I have for you. He's saying example after me. He's saying come, come to me, get to know me, and let me work in you so that you can go and represent me in the world. This is actually the very first invitation to work that Adam had, made in God's image. And he says to him, go and fill the earth with my image. Go and represent me throughout the world. Then we have sin entering into the world, and then God chooses for himself a new people, and he says to to even just one man, Abram and Sarai, even, uh, this couple says, be fruitful and multiply and 
Go and represent me in the world. And then when you see uh, the people of Israel and, and Judah in exile, what do the prophets say? Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, they say, you were supposed to represent God in the world. Nations were supposed to come to you and see a picture of the glory of God uh, that you would like image after him. And yet you're not doing that, which is why they went into exile. Then Jesus comes and he says, example after me. And then the church is born and the church founders say, example after Christ. This is the invitation we all have. Uh, I felt this invitation six and a half years ago, in fact, my wife and I, uh, we already aspired to go plant a church for a couple of years before then. Uh, we, we kind of, if you like, felt the invitation of God in our lives. Uh, go and plant a church. And one day in December 2011, felt that call activated. Can't tell you, did not hear an audible voice of God, any of that kind of stuff. Just one day, boom, go and do it. <clears throat> so I went and spoke with the, the elders uh, and said, I think it's time to go and plant this church. And they were like, ah, we, we, you know, we don't want to be disobedient to God. Let's go do this thing. Uh, we stayed an additional six months uh, longer than, or three months at least longer than we we're going to. Uh, we're going to stay for three months already um, because, as you know, we we're going through some difficult times at that time. Uh, but nevertheless, we had this activated invitation to go and pursue the things that God had put in front of us. Uh, we didn't know what was going to be in the future. I had no job to go to. Uh, I had uh, nothing but the call of God. When we planted that church, uh, we had my wife, uh, myself, she was pregnant, so that's two and a half people, um, and 10 others. And the average age of the 10 was 21 years old. And so we thought, this is great. Uh, God, we've followed you into your invitation into work. Uh, we trust you. We love you. Uh, keen to see what God would do through you, uh, through us in you. Uh, and I tell you that, um, well, I mean, I do want to say thank you for uh, your prayers over those now six years since we uh, went and planted that church. Uh, we've seen, I mean, many, many dozens of people uh, into the hundreds um, meet Jesus for the very first time and become baptized. Uh, among those, oh man, just the most, if you can have a boring testimony, then that, all the way through to, like, uh, one guy, he was a ice-addicted um, gay prostitute who came and met Jesus. Um, had another woman who, she was like just deep into the occult, uh, her family deep into the occult, she came to experience this amazing freedom in Christ. Uh, and even since then, she has uh, been instrumental in seeing uh, another woman who was a, a Buddhist spiritist counsellor um, actually give up her practice, um, give up all of her old ways and turn and, and pursue Jesus. Uh, seeing people from like legit served life in prison for murder, uh, people become Christians, um, one really famous crime family um, mother become a Christian, uh, just some amazing things, and, and not, not only like the spectacular, but people who have been far from God for a very long time, are angry with God or disappointed in God, uh, come and see God really for who He really is, and been invited into that work, not that laborious uh, kind of work, but that freeing loving, uh, just a life-giving kind of work. One young girl, 15, grew up in a Christian home her whole life. Um, she came to City Light 
uh, our, our, we, so we planted in Glenelg. Since then, we've planted in North Adelaide and in Port Adelaide as well. Uh, she started coming to the Port Adelaide church um, uh, after having not been in church for a little while. And she was really bummed. Like, she wanted to get baptized. She was bummed that her testimony was so boring compared to all these other amazing testimonies. And yet, <clears throat> she felt this invitation of God to give her boring testimony out on the beach at Semaphore before her baptism. Still worried and fearful that her testimony coming after the convicted murderer would seem super boring, grew up in a Christian home, etc., etc., etc. But anyway, she gives a testimony, walks down into the water. <clears throat> her home group is following her into the water to baptize her. And, this, uh, and the, the lead pastor out there, Jake, and this middle-aged guy swims up next to them and says to this 15-year-old girl, I just heard your speech on the beach. Um, my wife recently left me. Um, I'm an alcoholic, about to go into rehab. said, I, I just need the Jesus that you are talking about. I said, well, 15-year-old girl, she's like, oh my goodness, my boring testimony. God, I just followed the invitation of God into that. There have been times in my life, man, I remember very vividly one time in particular, um, I was in a, just a smaller group of people amongst a larger crowd, and I uh, God was inviting me, really, to say something to one particular um, person who was, who was there in our smaller group. And I was like, ah, is that really God? It sounds like a really, like, silly thing to say. And I'm, I, as, like, the second that I decided I'm not going to do that, the person directly to my left motioned to that person and said the exact same words that I, I found. I'm not trying to, like, get all super spiritual on you, the exact same things that God had invited me into, and this um, uh, young woman, she really, like, she broke down in tears and said, that is exactly what's going on in my life. Uh, I, you know, I just, I, I need to, someone to walk through this with me. And I thought, oh, man, I just missed out on the joy of participating in the work of God. And I really, the, the reason I tell you about uh, some of these people that have met Jesus through us going out, would they have met Jesus if we hadn't gone and planted the church? I believe so. I really do believe so. But we got to participate in the joy. We got the joy of participating in the work of God. We got to be about God's business in the world. Uh, we, we got really the, we got to see God's glory on display in people's lives just by going to work with our Father. And this is the same invitation He has for you. Would you go to work with Him? His burden is not laborious. It's not burdensome. not to earn his favour. You must understand how much God already loves you. He spared not even his own son to have a relationship with you. And now for your joy, he's inviting you to participate in his work in the world. If you would just say yes. This invitation well, we'll look different for everybody. I'm not saying there's one single call. You're not all going to go plant a church, although that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but you're not all going to go plant a church. Um, God will have specific things for you to do because, again, he's created you in a specific way, you know, put you in a specific period of time, uh, in a specific geographical place for his purposes in the world. So are you accepting God's invitation to trace the life of Jesus in your workplace, in your families, in your neighborhood, in your... Uh, with your neighbours, in your sporting clubs, with your friends in your friendship circles, 
Man, God wants you and your joy uh, to be so full and overflowing by participating in the work that he has prepared in advance for you to walk in. Uh, Let us respond to his invitation and walk in them. Let me pray for you. Father, uh, thank you that you have loved us with such an incredible love that you've called us into your family. You've, You've brought us into a new creation even. You didn't leave us in our sin and in our rebellion, uh, but indeed you you came for us. And you've called us not just into a new family, although that is the most spectacular thing, uh, but also you've called us into your work, uh, the things that you are doing in the world, the things that uh, you want to see happen, uh, your plans and your purposes. What a privilege it is for us to know you and love you and then to partner with you in the world, in your work. Uh, What a joy for us. Help us not to neglect your invitation. Help us not to doubt your invitation. Uh, But just like we'll get better at writing by tracing uh, over the example set before us, likewise, help us to example after Christ, to trace over his love and his life. We need your help. Help us by your Holy Spirit to do these things. Thank you that um, this this same kind of joy uh, that people have had throughout the years in participating in your work is available to us today. So uh, we want to participate, Father. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for listening. Trust you found that message helpful. If you have comments, feedback or questions, please email us at the following address, conversations at ebc.org.au.